is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listen in colour. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. My bills are all due and the baby needs shoes and I'm busted. Cotton is down to a quarter of a pound, but I'm busted. Ray Charles with the fantastic Busted, a really punchy way to start the programme. Good morning. This is Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, here on Jazz FM. Thank you very much for joining me. Jazz Shapers is where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul. And right alongside them, we put someone who's shaping the world of business, and we call them a business shaper. I'm very pleased to say my business shaper today is Craig Sams. Craig is one of the people, the key founders behind the wonderful Green and Black's Chocolate, as well as one of my favourite brands, the Whole Earth Foods brand, way back in the day, uh, they make peanut butter, and it's going rather well at the moment, though he isn't involved with that right now. But you'll be hearing lots from Craig um, when we get going. In addition to hearing from him, you'll be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea, some words of advice for your business. And then, of course, we've got some brilliant music from the shapers of jazz, blues and soul, including Roberto Fonseca, Ella Fitzgerald, and this from Brazilian pianist and vocalist Eliane Elias. Não descansou Ficou zangado quando o dia clareou Eu nunca vi sambar assim Gostar de samba muito mais do que de mim Sambou, sambou, não descansou Ficou zangado quando o dia clareou Eliane Elias with Sambu Sambu Craig Sams is my business shaper today, and he's the officially still the president of Green and Blacks, in fact, and was one of the co-founders back in 91. And as I said, uh, he was also uh, the founder of Whole Earth Foods um, a little bit earlier than that. We'll come to both those. Craig, it's a real pleasure to have you here. Lovely to be here. Now, you're here actually on the recommendation of someone who calls you their mentor, and that was Kat Gazzioli, um, who was on the program a few months ago. Um, You've been around in business for a while. What buzzes you about the world of business? Because you do quite a few things. We're going to come to them. And obviously, the Green and Blacks number is probably the one that most people will know you for, but there's lots more to it. Tell me about the buzz that business has given you over the years. I think the the thing that really turns me on is doing something that hasn't been done before, doing something where you can do good and do well, where you're actually making a positive difference in the world and making money out of it. Um, and that is where I got involved with Kat because she was the director of Slow Food UK, which the motto is good, clean and fair, and it's about transforming the food culture. And it's done a lot of work in that respect. And she dragged me in to be the chairman. Now, now you were brought up on a farm, if I'm not... That's right. I was born in Nebraska. Born in Nebraska. Um, no, I didn't grow up on the farm because eventually my mother rejoined my dad in Los Angeles where he was at university. And so I grew up on the West Coast. Then in 1951, we came to England. So I lived in London for five years in the early 50s. Then we moved around. We were in Germany, Pittsburgh, Omaha, Nebraska. So we were back 
in the Midwest again. Uh, nobody was really happy there at that stage. Omaha wasn't the lovely city it is today, and some people would even disagree with that. <laughs> but uh, And then we moved to France, but my mother had a taste for London, and we moved back to London, and she stayed here while the family went off in different directions to college. My dad worked in Vietnam, so... You know, we ended up living in London. Basically, London was my hometown from the early 60s. Now, that business I refer to, the Whole Earth Foods business, I believe you founded that only a year after you came to London. That's right. The year after England won the World Cup in football. That's right. Which is, uh, I say I say that with pride. I mean, it was a while ago, but we, we hold on to these things. At that point, what made you, and we need to, what made you decide you were going to found a business? That was, was, that, that was the first one as well, wasn't it? Yeah, I... I had been traveling in the East, in India, Pakistan, Afghanistan in the in 1965, and I got quite ill. And I got well by ignoring my medical advice and just going on a diet of flatbread and unsweetened tea to kind of solve the gut problem that was the root of the hepatitis. And I kind of began to understand about diet and health. And then when I went back for my final year at university, some friends were into the macrobiotic diet and sort of pushed me in the direction of brown rice and vegetables and took away my Aunt Jemima's pancake mix and my bottle of syrup and, you know, put me on the right track. Um, I was still scheduled to join the Peace Corps when I graduated, and I guess I would have ended up in State Department or, you know, lots of companies gave Wharton School graduates jobs in advance. I went to a restaurant in New York called The Paradox in February of 66, and I just, you know, got that moment of hair standing on the back of my neck and said, I want to do this in London. So I changed my kind of career plan and ended up back in London and opened a little restaurant in Notting Hill at the beginning of 67, 50 years ago, almost to the day. It starts somewhere, and that's yeah. exactly where it started. We're going to pick this up in a bit. Um, stay with me with uh, for my business shaper here, Craig Sams, not just the founder, the co-founder of, of Green and Blacks, but also of a restaurant and of Whole Earth Foods, which we'll come to as well. Time for some more music right now. This is Tierra Santa from Roberto Fonseca. That was Tierra Santa from Roberto Fonseca. Craig Sam's my business shaper, and we've been talking about a mere 50 years ago, I think we said, um, when Craig set up that restaurant, that epiphany that you had, that you want to set up the restaurant in London. Um, why food? Was it because you'd been ill and this was kind of the other side of it? I'd been ill, and I, but I also realised, you know, the macrobiotic message was get your own health in order, but also eat food that helps to put the planet in order. So it was a very low intake of meat and dairy, uh, very r strongly pro-organic farming. Um, it had the concept of justice, which we now know as fair trade. The motto was one grain, 10,000 grains, don't waste food, which is a big issue now. So it was way, way ahead of its time in terms of the issues that it dwelt on but it made perfect sense but but going from being ill to fixing yourself to then deciding 
I'm going to be involved in food and it needs to do good things. I mean, those are not everyone would have jumped there. They would have some people would have just got better and said, thank you very much. Yeah. Why was it important? Why was the, the sense of um, being good to the planet important to you then? Because it's informed many things going forward for you. Yeah, um, it just pushed my buttons. I think that it was it was a time when people were experiencing heightened states of consciousness in one way or another, were aware of the fact that the world needed help and that the way we were eating, the way we were fighting wars, the way we were relating to each other didn't really make sense and that we were on a downward path long term. And when you saw that, you wanted to do something about it. I did it with food. Music changed as well around that time. Um, the way people dressed changed. People's sexual mores changed. Um, you know, everything that people did, they've there was a new take on it. So our aspect of that kind of revolution, if you like, uh, in a nonviolent revolution was to change the way we approached food and farming. And that new take on it, as you describe it, has really, as I said, it's sort of informed everything else that's gone has come since i mean we, we're now going to jump to to the to the the green and black story which is i believe in 91 when you and your wife um went for it and and said you know what we can do we can have great tasty food and tasty also means it's going to be fade, tra traded fairly and so on and in fact you were the first chocolate bar chocolate business to get the fair trade stamp it was we were the first business of any kind oh, to really? get the, the fair trade stamp wow then then clipper tea followed mm. um Cafe Direct, Equal Exchange, Oxfam, all the other fair trade brands you saw. Once the fair trade brand was out there and it had the recognition, then people wanted it. So we took a risk, I suppose, but you know, it made perfect sense to us to go with it. Stay with me for much more from my business shaper. That's Craig Sams, um, founder, one of the founders of Green and Blacks and uh, many other things too. Latest travel in a couple of minutes and before that, some words of wisdom from our programme partners at Mishkondorea for your business. My name is Andrew Remington and I'm a corporate partner at Mishkondorea. I spend my life assisting clients doing M&A transactions and raising capital. Having done many, many deals, each deal... Uh, has many similar components, but one thing is always different, and that is the people. Uh, understanding the individual personalities of a deal is critical to the success of any transaction. Good negotiators adopt the 80-20 rule. Generally speaking, the other parties around the table do 80% of the talking, and the good negotiators listen, try to understand what the key issues are that the other parties need or want to have from the transaction, and then trying to be sympathetic to those whilst not losing sight of your own a business deal. So be a good listener, um, but don't lose sight of the goal, which is to achieve a deal that works for both sides. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss. Every Saturday I talk to someone who's shaping the world of business and has done some phenomenal things. If you'd like to catch any of the previous guests that I've had the pleasure of meeting, go to iTunes. Jazz Shapers is your destination. Uh, BA High Life next time you're flying or cityam.com to catch a few there as well. Craig Sams is who I've caught today um, from the world of Green and Blacks. Um, and he was the is the president still, um, even though the, that business has been sold a couple of times now since That's right. Cabra's bought it and then Kraft bought Cabra's and on it goes. 
shows. Um, but way back, we were talking, uh, Craig, back when you actually set this business up, it was driven by your values, driven by your take um, on the world. When did you realise you were onto a winner? How soon did you go, hold on a second, this is no ordinary chocolate business, this is something else? Because it, it was something else. I mean, it's still, it's defined many, many industries or businesses since then. When did you realise you had that? Probably the first realisation was just before we even launched the product. And we came up, my wife, Jo, came up with the name Green and Blacks. Yeah, what was the, what's the name about? Well, I was thinking of Nacho Chalk, Biochalk, Chalk and Nature, that sort of thing, you know pretty tacky in retrospect <laughs> and she said what about green and blacks uh, she always said if she was on mastermind her specialty subject would be British confectionery 1956 to the present and in her mind was Callerton Bowser or Barker and Dobson or uh, Charbonnel and Walker even in the more upmarket stage but something that sounded like a partnership that had been around in German Street or Burlington Arcade for a long time and green because it was organic and black because nobody had ever done 70% chocolate before. It was the darkest chocolate you could get was 49% many a cooking chocolate. Mm. So we had something that, and it was easy to pronounce too. The whole earth brand that I built, the, that I had, was unpronounceable. You know, you had to spell it out every time you spoke to a telephonist or receptionist. So you need something that was easy to recognize and pronounce anywhere in the world. Now, this was the first business, I, if I'm right, they, where you scaled significantly versus the other ones, which sounded like they, were, they didn't quite reach that, that point. It, how was it? Is that, is that correct? That's not quite right. The, okay. the whole earth peanut butter, mm. on which, which led to me looking for peanuts and finding cocoa beans, <laughs> was the second biggest brand after Sunpat by the late 1980s. So we already had a supermarket brand. We knew about dealing in, in, and we had the connections in the supermarkets because we were going and seeing the buyers about peanut butter, baked beans, and other whole earth products. So we were already in that. Had, and we had warehousing and distribution and all that side of things. So doing green and blacks didn't require starting from scratch in a sense. It was patched onto the back of an existing successful brand. And then, therefore, being patched on, was it just much less stressful because you'd already kind of seen the problems and you've seen how to manage these big, the big supermarket chains and so on, or were there other sorts of issues that came with it? I think it, it was easier to do because we didn't have to deal with all those logistical problems. We already had them. We understood how to deal with supermarkets. Uh, in those days, they were not as kind to small companies as they are now. Mm. And my wife actively joined me in promoting it and marketing it so we had uh and we had a sales force so it wasn't as difficult as a startup you seem very relaxed i mean i i know this is we're looking back now but were you pretty chilled then as well I already had a successful business, so you know I wasn't sort of staying awake at night worrying too much about this. I did end up staying awake at night fairly soon afterwards, but that you know because cash flow is always an issue in any business. But um, I think the 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 answer to the second part of your question is when we saw the Sainsbury's buyer and he said, "When are you going to do a milk chocolate?" And we said, "Oh no, we're." 
committed to high cocoa solids, dark chocolate, we're probably going to do it 85%, but we're not planning to do any milk chocolate. And he said, look, this is going to be big. And if you don't do a milk chocolate, somebody else is going to come along doing an organic milk chocolate and an organic dark chocolate. And we'll take theirs because we don't want to have to deal with lots of different people supplying different, you know, we want a range. And that kind of registered, we have to do a range. And we launched milk chocolate six months later. And then we launched Maya Gold, which was the first fair trademarked product a year after that. Stay with me to find out more from my business shaper in the story of Green and Blacks and how it became so successful. Time for more music. This is Ella Fitzgerald with Sunshine of Your Love. That was Ella Fitzgerald with Sunshine of Your Love. I've been talking to Craig Sams about all sorts of things. Craig, um, I mentioned earlier, and uh, the reason why you're here is through the the person that you're mentoring, um, Kat. This experience that you've gained, and whether it was the whole earth business and then you uh, to applying that over to the green and blacks business, tell me about temperament and what you say to fantastically fiery, passionate, driven entrepreneurs, and uh, Kat and anyone else, how do you talk about managing emotion? Because it strikes me again, I, I know that you'd already done it once and stuff, but I imagine you, I think you, I, I can't talk for what you were like in the 60s and 70s, I didn't know you, but you seem relatively unflappable. How do you help your mentorees manage that? The two most overused words in uh, my experience are sustainable and passionate. But they both have validity, even though they do get overused. And you have to be passionate about what you're doing. You have to believe in what you're doing. And if you are passionate and you do believe in it, then you are more likely to get it right because you're constantly going to be examining yourself, questioning your own values. One of the things that people like Kat and certainly in my career I've experienced is people see you do something, they see that it's successful, so they copy it. And then they start cutting corners. They use a cheaper ingredient, this or that in in terms of food. They, they don't have the underlying core values values that can't be really described, but people understand it when they buy it. Um, We saw this with our peanut butter many years ago. Nestle spent five million pounds after they had taken over Sunpat to kick us out of the market. They launched a product called Whole Nut that sounded like Whole Earth. They left the skins in like we did. They used they stopped using hydrogenated fat to be competitive. And we, were, we expected we were going to die. And we didn't because somewhere deep in people's consciousness, they knew that we were ethical and doing the right thing and that we believed in what we were doing. And I think that's people get that. People got that with Apple computers. You know, they, it's, people just they can smell when something is right. And that's how you can build a, a durable brand. Stay with me for my final chat and um, words of wisdom, too, from my business shape. That's Craig Sams. Plus, we'll be playing a track from bluesman Eric Bibb. That's after the latest traffic and travel here on Jazz FM. 
Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Granddaddy died young in the Yazoo heat. Papa tried his whole life to make ends meet. My pride couldn't take it. I cussed the ball. That was Eric B with a dollar in my pocket. I'm with Craig Sams, whose dollars in the pocket were probably just fine after the Green and Back sale, and he's done pretty well. He was relaxed even in that business because his other business, Whole Earth Foods, had also done pretty well too. It doesn't strike me that money drives you. Um, I mean, you you talk about money as part of the the story. What's driving you now, though? I mean, Craig, what, what still pushes your buttons, to use your words? Most of my career was about making people healthy, about providing the kind of food that produces a healthy digestive system. All disease begins in the gut, as Hippocrates said. So... But I now have a business called Carbon Gold, and Carbon Gold is about making the soil healthy. At the moment, we're losing 39 football fields a minute of viable agricultural soil because of the overuse of chemical fertilizers and pesticides. And there is a solution. Organic farming is part of it. Carbon farming takes organic farming and rebuilds soil carbon, soil organic matter. This is the now, uh, you know, we started eight, nine years ago, uh, the Marrakesh Climate Conference was largely, or there was a big part of it, was about how do we rebuild the soil as a carbon sink so it's win-win. We take carbon out of the atmosphere, store it in the soil as organic matter, and we then have healthier soil so we don't have to depend on chemical fertilizers in order to grow enough food for the planet. So carbon gold is we basically grind up charcoal and put it in the soil. When you put it in the soil, it's like putting thousands of little castles or apartment buildings for the microbes and fungi in the soil that are beneficial for plants, that are their immune system. So it's like probiotics for the soil, really. It it's, makes the soil healthy. That makes plants healthy. That means you get more yields and you don't have the same problems with diseases and pests that you would otherwise have. So it's kind of, I've gone right to the other end of the food chain from buying stuff from organic farmers, processing it and selling it to people, to helping organic farmers and non-organic farmers to enrich their soil, reduce their dependence on external inputs and get healthier food into the bargain. And what's made you the most proud of all the things that you've done and continue to do? Is it what you're doing now? I think launching Green and Blacks and creating the the fair trade awareness was a a big result. Um, I'm also very proud with my brother Gregory of introducing brown rice into the country. That's kind of... You know, less so now, but people so that became the kind of one word description of a whole attitude towards food and way of eating that was emerging. It was, you know, in fact, the music business used to talk about, oh, he's into brown rice sandwiches dismissively. <laughs> but, you know, it 
it it took hold and it made a big difference you know and you know we had in our restaurant John Lennon and uh, the Stones people like Terence Stamp they all came down because it was the only place where you could get brown rice that's why my brother and I then started packing it and then we started manufacturing and got to where we got well, it's been a pleasure talking to the food trailblazer, uh, from brown rice to peanut butter to, to chocolate to fair trade and now to the soil. It's a pretty amazing set of things to have achieved already. Thank you so much for joining me and thank you for your time. Just before I let you go, um, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? I chose Mose Allison, The Seventh Son. Um when I was traveling in the East, they had just come out with these little portable record players. So one of the ways that I kept myself amused uh, during long walks through rather desolate places was to sit down and play music. Um, I had four albums, one of which was Mose Allison, uh, Roland Kirk, Kirk's work, Georgie Fame, Live at the Flamingo, and a uh, Arabic big band and um, it made friends wherever I went you know I had music and it kind of this was before the hippie trail had really gotten into its stride so it was quite unusual to see a European of any kind in the places where I was traveling and Mose has always you know because I was sort of when I went to school on the school bus, there were a couple of guys who sang Mose Allison songs, you know, Country Shack, Young Man, that sort of thing. And uh, then we'd go down to the Flamingo Club and Georgie Fame would pay tribute to Mose Allison and suit money for that matter. So, I, and I've always really, he just rings a bell with me. I think maybe because he's a fellow Midwesterner at some level, uh, but with a feeling for jazz. So, Seventh Son... That was my choice. That was Mose Allison with The Seventh Song, the song choice of my business shaper today, Craig Sams. Core values driven right from the beginning, from his first business, it was about what he believed in. A real sense of passion for healthy eating and now healthy soil. It's brilliant stuff to watch and there's money to be made as well as being focused on your values. Brilliant stuff. Do join me again, same time, same place, next Saturday, 9am for another edition of Jazz Shapers. Meantime, stay with us because coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. <laughs>